happy Father's Day, dads. I uh, hope that it's been a great one so far for you. So grateful for my parents. I've shared their testimony and their stories before with you. You know, both of my parents came into a relationship with the Lord at an adult age. My mom uh, first, dad second, about three and a half to four months after the fact of my mom coming to know the Lord. So my parents always ensured that we were involved in church. Uh, whatever that looked like, that was a priority for them. That was a priority for us. They wanted to put us in a position where we could know and experience not only the family of God being the church, but also primarily to experience God. And with their prayer, hopefully at one point, to be able to surrender our lives to Jesus and then uh, to watch us grow and flourish. The verses for this morning deal with, as we consider our parents' love for us, our love as parents for our kids, knowing that primarily the source of that love, again, is God in us, lived through us to those with whom we know, with whom we're responsible for, with whom we have the opportunity to have a relationship with, that it is from him. Love is from God, and by definition, love is God. Uh, let's, let's stop talking about it and let's just read it. It would be better if we were to see how John penned it. Beginning in verse 7 of chapter 4, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So this first verse, really the first couple of verses, define out uh, exactly what love is. Love is from God, and by definition, God is love. And so if we consider it this way, that God is the headwater, say, of love, meaning that uh, he is the originator, the source of what love truly is, that once we experience and encounter the love of God. We uh, flow from that source, God of love, to others. So if we think of that from this perspective, that uh, God being the headwater or the source of love, my family in particular, my parents, experiencing and encountering God, the love of God, then from that headwater became themselves say, streams of water. So as a result of that, everyone with whom they then, years ago, after surrendering their lives, came into contact with, they were, in essence, streams of the love of God to people, uh, primarily to my sisters and I, but then, but then to others, not only to believers, but to the lost as well. Then, after my sisters and I surrendered to Jesus, which both of my sisters did long ago, I did long ago, we then, from say those streams of water of the love of God, became rivers, let's say. And so we see the beginning, God at the headwater, to create streams, my parents, who created three rivers, in essence, of the love of God. Now we, extensions of my parents' love for God, extensions of the love of God, began to share love for those around us. Believers, and unbelievers alike. Then, if you take it even further, you consider our kids, my sister's kids, who know Jesus, 
who've surrendered their lives, that all three of our kids were very blessed to, to have known that they've come to Christ actually at age five. Uh, Tiaran and Ethan, two years later, uh, baptized and continue to walk uh, in the Lord. Braden, not yet baptized. But those three, let's say, from the other sources, become uh, the ocean. At that point, my analogy falls apart. <laughs> what, what goes beyond ocean when they start to one day, when they're married, they have kids, and it, it continues, I really don't know. But you get the point of it, that, that the goal is that the love of God would continue in the lines of our family. My parents did a good job in making sure that we had the opportunity to have a relationship with the Lord, and we, in turn, have carried that where our kids know the Lord. And really, opportunities, if you even think of the size of those headwaters, oftentimes not the, the most extreme ocean, although it is, it is critical, obviously, God the creator being the starter of that. The goal is, as we walk through our lives, that his love extends through us in incredible ways, and it extends through us in even greater ways in the lives of our kids. Uh, my kids are on social media. I am too, but not to the extreme that they are. They look for opportunities through their media streams to share the gospel and to make a difference to the point where they've actually, recent days, Tiran actually uh, sharing the gospel, plan of salvation and prayer in one of her media streamlines to, to 3,000 people. I don't have contact with 3,000 people. I mean, I may have you know, several on Facebook, but not, not in the same way. Do, do you see the point of it? God's desire was not that when Jesus came, that it would be isolated with Jesus, and then it would be over. He came, lived, died, invested in 12, one, of course, departing, one coming into the group to be the foundation, the start of the church. And so Jesus Fully God, fully man, one, invested in 12. The 12 then carried it, and we are byproducts of what they shared, the gospel, the church, the foundation. See, it just continues. And the desire, I'm sure, of the disciples, as we read in both Paul's letter and John's letter, what we're focusing on this morning is that the desire and goal is for the love of God as the source to be spread in great in mighty and incredible ways across the entire world for generation after generation after generation. And we've seen that. We are all byproducts of this. So God is love's source. Your family may be very similar. Thinking of your kids, your relationship, if you've had those, even maybe from your parents or generations previous, my parents didn't have the benefit of that. Families involved in church, but none previous to, after my parents came to relationship with Jesus, knowing them themselves, knowing him themselves. They came to Christ after. So we see this idea of the headwater of God being love and how critical that is. But we can't just say that God is just love. There are cults in our world, religions, people who say... God is just love. And as a result, I can function and funnel basically any way that I want to. But we have to see the total picture of who God is according to Scripture. In John 4, Jesus said God is spirit. And so we see the fact of God being spirit. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, 
we see God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And so one of the characteristics of God is the fact that he is light. In Romans 3.26, we see that God is just. And so there are a lot of characteristics of God that we can't just solely focus on one. In fact, the fact that love, God is love and that he is the headwater is really not the primary characteristic focused in the entirety of the Bible. If we go verse after verse, verse over verse, a larger characteristic that's defined and discussed about God is that he is holy. Old Testament, New Testament alike. And so a driving characteristic of him to us is the fact of his holiness. Psalm 77, 13. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. If you study 1 Peter, uh, it saturated that book with the truth that God is holy, especially chapter 1, where the challenge comes for us to be holy as God is holy. So you see that if, if God is only just, then mercy falls away. If God is, is only bringing a judgment, then the love of God fades away. See, it's a balance of all the characteristics of who God is is in his personhood that we have to understand and that we have to know. Love flows from God. By definition, God is love. He is the source. He is the headwater, and we are streams of that. We also see, next, that redemption is love's validation. So while verses 7 and 8 focus on uh, the fact that God is love's source, we see in 9 and 10 the fact that once again, redemption is love's validation. Let's read those verses again. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and has sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And so we, we see three words that are, are somewhat unusual, not necessarily um, in our language uh, consistently in this text. The first is to make, make manifest. Uh, what exactly does the word manifest mean? Well, it means to be made, to be made known, uh, that we can understand it, that we can grasp it. So in this love, God was, was made manifest, made known among us. And then we see uh, a little bit uh, further down uh, this, this word propitiation. If we think of of that word, what exactly does that mean? It's not necessarily a common anymore. It means to satisfy. So, <clears throat> for instance, we have a, a bill that we owe, and it has to be paid. Once that bill is paid, that debt obligation is met, or it's satisfied. As people, we have sin. The sin in our lives needed to be paid for. We need, need someone to come in our place to take care of that debt that we could not cover ourselves. And so the one who did that was Jesus coming to atone for us. Another word for atone is to, to make amends or, or to make right uh, this relationship when we surrender to him by the work of Jesus, the love that he showed us on the cross. And so he, Jesus himself, being our redeemer, redeeming us, making us right with God when we surrender our lives to him, giving us this relationship this idea of, uh, of God's 
justice, judgment, being satisfied at the beauty of the cross, sin all being poured out on Jesus, ours as well. And then when we surrender, when he sees us, he either sees the blood of Jesus covering our sin, or he sees that the blood of Jesus doesn't cover our sin. Picture of God's relationship with us. And so we're reminded to think of in this that not only is God love, not only does he display his love for us practically because of giving us opportunity for a relationship with himself, but that we remain in that love once we are his because our salvation is not based on our works or based on ourselves. And so we, we begin to ask ourselves questions then. First and foremost, am I a loving person? I would say for the most part, we would probably answer that emphatically. Yes, I think, I think I'm a loving person. I think I typically don't spit on people when I walk down the street or walk into a grocery store. I normally don't explode emotionally on someone because you know, they dropped something on the floor and accidentally broke a jar or, or they, they got in my way with a cart and got frustrated or they didn't you know, see the six-foot rule. And typically I don't verbally just explode all over someone. Now, maybe we've done that in other settings, not necessarily there. So we consider ourselves then in general, those of us who are followers of Jesus as, as loving people, probably. But then when we go deeper, asking ourselves that question, we have to consider Romans 5.8 as a part of that. But God demonstrates or shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, okay what, does that, what does that verse really mean? Well, it means that our worst, at our ugliest, at the most separated point, God loved us anyway. What does that mean to us personally? That I had this heinous, horrible, terrible sin and in spite of my being separated from God, in spite of my ugliness towards him, in spite of my darkness, he loved me. And he loves you. But does that really, does it really practically matter that he loves me? Do we see him as the headwater of our life that we always have opportunity to make his love known, to express his love to those who were in the same position that we are or were long ago? 15-year-old. Had a lot my parents didn't even know about in my life. The ugliness of sin. They love me regardless. Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. My, my parents constantly laid their lives down for me. But it wasn't until I was 15 that I realized the one who gave his life for me was Jesus. And then I went to camp that summer, just months after. And the camp pastor and I've shared this with you before, challenged us to write down the name of every person you know. Circle the names for certain that you know have a relationship with Jesus. And so after five minutes of scribbling as many names as I could, 
it was like eternity trying to determine, have I ever seen the reality of God in that person's life? Asking, do they really know Jesus? And so the majority of the names on my list were not circled, including family. And then he brought the bomb in and he said, what are you going to do with the names that are on the page that are not circled? Okay, that's the challenge of love. If you were to pin the name of every individual you know, surface to deep, and circle the names for sure that you know have a relationship with Jesus, what are you doing with the names who don't? You see, if, if God is really the source of love, and if we truly are, like the disciples, to carry the gospel and to share his love, sharing our story of Jesus and the gospel with individuals, we would actively be doing something about those names. We wouldn't go weeks or months or years without even breaking prayer for them that they too would come into a relationship with Jesus, that, that we would regularly practice our testimony so it can flow out in two minutes or less about how we came into a relationship with Jesus, including what my life was like before I came into a relationship with Jesus, when and how I found Jesus, how he drew me to himself, how he spoke to me, one of the immediate changes he made in our life after that happened. And then since then, what's one thing he's doing in my life right now to be able to share that in a condensed two minutes or less? See, that's my story. That's yours. But then to carry it further and to share the gospel. Do we know the Roman road by heart? 323, 623, 58, 10, 9, and 10, 10, 13, Luke 13, 3, which is key, which often gets left out when the gospel is shared. I tell you no, but unless you repent, turn away. You'll perish. And, and in the beauty of 1 John 5, 13, which we're going to look at in further detail in a few weeks, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so you may know that you have eternal life. We don't have to wonder. Are, are we so committed relationally to God? Are we so committed? It's probably a terrible term. That we are ready at a moment's notice to share our story and to share the gospel, whether we have a device or a Bible or not. Let me ask this question, and this is really convicting. If you or I were the last people on the planet to be a follower of Jesus, all the Bibles have been burned, we have no access. How much of God's word would be able to be carried on by what we personally know? You know, that day may come when God's word in whatever setting we're in may get obliterated. Are we able to, at this point, share enough of the Bible to carry on what is there? If not, and I have yet to know a person, by the way, who would answer, well, sure. We have work to do. But the starting point of our actually living out this love relationship with God, the fact that he is the source and that redemption is the validation, is to learn and to know, to be able to share a story quickly in the gospel. And so if you're wondering, okay, where do I start with all this? That's overwhelming. Don't let it be overwhelming. 
write down the verses, and whether you're a good memorizer or not, start memorizing. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, that it is such on the forefront of your mind and heart that you just go. And then as far as sharing the gospel, as far as people who are lost, who you couldn't circle in your list, start praying for one, two, three of those names consistently. We talked about that last week. Write them on a card, stick it on your mirror, stick it on your steering wheel, wherever it is that God would save them and that he would specifically give you an opportunity and that you would recognize it and that I would to share our story of how Jesus radically saved us and how he can offer the same to them by sharing the gospel. That's where we start. It's pretty convicting. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> uh, second question, this is worse. Uh, do I love God's people? Worse. Harder. Let me read some verses. Uh, John is, is pretty direct. Beloved, let us love one another. And then Paul, in Philippians 1, 3 through 6, says this. And, and think of this brutal exercise as I'm reading this verse. Okay. All the names just circled of believers. Do I think of all of the believers in this way that Paul's writing? Okay, here we go. I thank my God every time I remember you. Every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now being convinced of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Every person on your paper, whether you consider them to be a friend or an enemy, people of God, we're specifically talking about believers. Whether you know them or not, obviously in the beginning we talked about the ones you know, but what about the global people who, who call themselves believers? There are many. Every time I remember you, I thank God for you. That's not my life. Full transparency and honesty. Something bad happens to one of my kids. Some horrific thing happens with me relationally with somebody else. I cannot stand in front of you and tell you. Every time I think of that individual's name, I'm thanking God for him. Uh, we talk about how we're works in progress and how God's doing that. And prayerfully, the Holy Spirit convicts us when we hold bitterness or anger or animosity towards someone who's done something horrible to us or to one of our family or one of our closest friends. We're works in progress, but Paul was saying to the believers who agreed with them and those who didn't, every time I think of you, I thank God for you. And then he carried it to saying, because I'm confident that the one who began the good work in you, the source of love, the one who provided redemption through Jesus, will carry on to completion until you see Christ one day. And so if he couldn't thank God for anything else, he could thank God that he did the work in their life. And the rest of it he just checked away. It's a challenge for us. Maybe today we need to deal with some of the bitterness and some of the hardness and some of the heartache that we've experienced with other people. Or maybe we need to go to the individuals that we've wounded and ask forgiveness and allow God to begin the work of forgiveness in their lives for us. 
you get the point, brutal exercise. Finally, have I experienced God's love? The ultimate difference between just catching a glimpse of God and knowing personally the love of God is surrendering our lives to him. Eternity doesn't begin when we step into heaven. Eternity for us begins. Eternal life for us begins at the moment of surrender. And so are we living with that perspective and that mindset? Have we surrendered our lives to Jesus? If we have, I write these things to you, believe in the name of the Son of God, so you may know you have eternal life. It is secure. The Holy Spirit is our deposit, the Bible says. He is the one who will carry us into the presence of the Lord if we are his. And so that piece of it we can put away, but, but, but the eternal life, eternity begins at that moment. What have we done with the cross? It's not based on our works. It's based on the work of Jesus. And practically, does that really matter in our day-in, day-out experience with the Lord? Are we passionate for what he's passionate about? Uh, I'm grateful for my parents every day. I mean, the fact that they destroyed what their backgrounds were, left everything they knew to follow Jesus, and, and made the decision when my sisters and I were little that we're going to walk with them, and they are too. We're going to put them in a position every chance we get where they're going to know him. We're not perfect. But we are, as God is the source of love, streams to rivers to oceans to who knows. And that was their prayer for us. I'm even more grateful to God, our Heavenly Father, especially today, Father's Day, for sacrificing His Son for us, for me. While I was still in the pit of my sin, he died for me. That's how much he loved me. At my ugliest, that's how much he loved you. At your ugliest. Where are you today? 